You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find the Locked On Packers podcast the show for Packers fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. Make it easy on yourself. Put it in your phone. Don't text your ex. Instead, text the Locked On Packers fan hotline. It is Tuesday with the game on Thursday. So this is already a very weird schedule uh, for us and and the way that we normally go about these weeks, it's basically, I mean, if you think about the way that that our weeks normally go, this is basically our Friday show. And that is bizarre because we don't really have a lot of injury information. That's where we're going to start. We're also going to talk about the Packers defense and we're going to finish with a little bit more discussion about Aaron Rodgers after I went back and rewatched the game. Uh, I have a little bit more to say on that. But let's start with the injuries. That's where we normally start on these Friday shows. And this is kind of a Friday show because it's Tuesday with a game on Thursday. You can do the math. You see the similarities there. This isn't rocket science. But so the Packers did not practice on Monday. and uh, But they did put out an injury report. And there are a couple things on here that I think are worth noting. Number one... Uh, I don't think it's worth noting that Jimmy Graham and Aaron Rodgers were, were listed as uh, non-participants. That that has been normal for them early in the week. And I think we can think of this more as like a Wednesday practice. More concerning, however, Bashad Breland, who had to leave the game on Sunday with a soft tissue injury in his leg, did not participate. Kentrell Bryce was apparently in a walking boot. Uh, and he did not participate and Randall Cobb, still dealing with that hamstring injury. He did not participate. Ditto for Kevin King and his hamstring injury. I think right now we have to operate like Breland, Bryce, Cobb, and King are out. And that has pretty serious ramifications for what this team is and what it's going to do against Seattle. So what happened against the Dolphins was without King, they put Bashad Breland in the slot. They had Josh Jackson on the outside and Jair Alexander play opposite him. And when they started having some injuries, Jair Alexander had to go out. He went into the concussion protocol, but cleared. And so he's actually not even on the injury report. He's fine. I think what we'll see this week is a lot of Jair Alexander on Doug Baldwin, the only receiver that you really, really have to worry about for the Seahawks. Tyler Lockett is a good player. But he's not anywhere near the threat that Doug Baldwin is, though he does have some speed. So with Kentrell Bryce out at safety, what Green Bay would like to do, I think, is keep Josh Jones at his more traditional box 
linebacker role. He's going to play a hybrid. He's going to play a little bit of safety, a little bit in the box as a de facto linebacker. He's an overhang defender. This is a word that we used a lot in the preseason. If you're new to the show, when we're discussing Jones's role, uh, Kentrell Bryce, and any number of other players, Oren Burks, etc. I think the Packers' preference is going to be to continue to use Jones there. And if the cornerback situation continues to be an issue, then things get complicated. If they don't, what I think you'll see is a lot of Tremont Williams with Raven Green, who played exceptionally well against the Dolphins, had the near interception at the goal line. We're going to talk about this defense a little bit more. He also had a big blitz sack. He had the punt, the fake punt, which we didn't get to talk about yesterday, really. That was a gutsy call bordering on reckless from Ron Zook. I, we had some Acme Packing Company staff speculate that that was maybe he was you know, cleaning out the drawer because he, he thought that maybe he wasn't going to get a chance to run it. Ron Zook is still employed as a special teams coach of the Green Bay Packers, for those wondering. But so this will complicate things. If Tremont Williams and Raven Green can play with Josh Jones, it is only because enough corners are healthy. Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, and with Breland potentially out, if he can't play, that's going to put Tony Brown in the lineup. And I I have liked some things that I saw from Tony Brown. He's been a, a, a topic of conversation on this show in the past. I really like the physical skill that he has. But that would that would be basically not basically that would literally be three rookies at corner and against Russell Wilson against receivers capable like Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett that is not an ideal position to be in you'd like to at least have Breland or King even if you can't have both now I do wonder if they would consider playing Josh Jones and Raven Green together playing Oren Burks a little bit more. And having Tremont Williams play a more traditional cornerback role, he became the nickel corner, the slot corner, when all the injuries hit and Jair Alexander went down. So Mike Patton is going to have some decisions to make here. And they're not easy decisions, potentially, because the Seahawks, though they're not a highly explosive offense through the air, they're still not. A lot of their production against the Rams came on the ground and to the running backs. They haven't gotten big games from Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett or, or really any of their receivers so far this season. They cut Brandon Marshall. So maybe that's not as big of concern as it would be against another team. It's certainly, I mean, you need to have all your guys against Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and Kirk Cousins in 10 days from this Thursday. So if, if you know... They need to they need to focus on getting healthy. You don't want to rush these guys back and risk, you know, a, a more significant, you know, you don't want to hurt a, turn a hamstring tweak into a hamstring tear. And so that's that's something that I think they're gonna to have to take into consideration. Luckily for Green Bay, they're going on the road to take on a team that doesn't have incredibly explosive options. And even in games where the Packers have gotten beat against Seattle in Seattle, it hasn't been because Russell Wilson just lit them up through the air. And that's with all manner of different secondaries and Percy Harvin and Doug Baldwin and Golden Tate. Well, those guys, you know, they're not walking through that door. So Green Bay sh- should be able to handle these guys if they if they have a modicum of health at the cornerback position. 
but they have some flexibility because they can move Tremont Williams. They they probably have a little bit more faith in Raven Green than they did a week ago. And Josh Jones has played free and strong safety at various points in his career in Green Bay. I thought Josh Jones played pretty well on Sunday, did some really nice things as a run and chase linebacker, did some nice things in coverage. His speed is pretty clear. The one, the one play where, where you're like, man, I don't know if the Packers have anyone to do this if Josh Jones can't, was a little, he had Kenyon Drake in man coverage and Drake just ran a little bit of a crossing route and Jones couldn't run with him. Well, Kenyon Drake is really fast. There are very few players in most secondaries, unless you're going to put a corner on him, and you're probably not, who are going to be able to run with a guy like Kenyon Drake across the field. The Seahawks with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, they don't have anybody like that. This is not an offense that that really outflanks you, that really you know gets you on speed. Lockett can, can get down the field. He can create plays. But this is not... You know, what the Rams have with Brandon Cooks, who can just light you on fire. That's that's not what this offense is. That's not what they've ever been, even when they had a lot of those really good skill position players from a few years ago. Those are injuries to watch as we move forward in the week. Also, keep an eye on the line because it started, it's been about a field goal, but it's fluctuated. Seahawks minus two, minus two and a half, minus three. It's somewhere in that range. And if you like an angle on this game, why don't you try betting at my bookie? I tell you about my bookie all the time, and I do it for a reason. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. They have live in-game betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. The thing is, MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. So, here's what they're willing to do for you. If you deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar when you use the promo code LOCKEDON25. That's LOCKEDON25 for a dollar for dollar promo code bonus. And if you do it after 7 p.m., you'll get an additional $25 in free play because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. There was a lot of discussion coming into the season about the pass rush and the the lack of changes Brian Gutekunst made. And one of the things that I consistently made the case for was that the Packers, organizationally, institutionally, from Brian Gutekunst to Mike Patton, they seemed to agree fixing the cornerback room was the priority. And I wrote about this yesterday for the for Acme Packing Company. Bashad Breland, his signing could end up being huge, not just this year, but down the road for Green Bay when you add in Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, all these guys. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. Fans and media alike were and still are very concerned about the pass rush. On Sunday, Green Bay sacked Brock Osweiler six times. They are tied for the league lead in sacks, and they have the second most sacks on third down. And you say, okay, counting stats, problem. Well, they've been a top 10 adjusted sack rate defense all season. The the new numbers after Sunday's game, 
are out right now on Football Outsiders, but they're not updated as I record this right now, so I can't give you the the live numbers, as it were. But you can go to Football Outsiders and see them and see their adjusted sack rate. It is still a, a top pass rush. And I know that feels weird because Clay Matthews is a ghost and Nick Perry is a shell and Reggie Gilbert has not been the kind of explosive player that he looks to be in the preseason. Kyler Fackrell has been the most consistent edge rusher on this team, but edge rush is not synonymous with pass rush because pass rush can come from anywhere. And it doesn't just have to be your edge rushers. Go back to those Jets teams. Those Rex Ryan, Mike Patton Jets teams were phenomenal. Edge rushers were mediocre players. They were average to slightly above average players. But they had Darrell Rivas. Well, Green Bay doesn't have Darrell Rivas or Antonio Cromartie. But they have a really smart coach, the same coach that, that put those players in New York in a position to succeed. Green Bay has better defensive linemen than those Jets teams, probably better inside linebackers, although Bart Scott was a very good pass rusher and a very good player for a long time. Blake Martinez is back to playing the way that we saw him last year, playing fast, playing downhill. He was playing very hesitant and very soft early in the season. And I think it was just a matter of, of him not having confidence in his knowledge of what was happening. He's been much better, and so has the defense the last few weeks. When you look at this team, they can generate pass rush. It doesn't have to be with one-on-one offensive tackle against outside linebacker matchups. That way of thinking just doesn't reflect the modern NFL anymore. Look at the Rams with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, the way that they can dominate games inside. That is huge. Look at the Bears. Even last year, before they had Kalomak, Akeem Hicks could wreck games by himself because of the kind of interior push he could generate. And even a, a team like the Jaguars last year, who they had, you know, this whole stable of pass rushers. Well, a lot of the time, guys like Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson are getting interior push that help the edge rushers, Ngakwe, Fowler, who's now in, in LA. That is a real thing. Kenny Clark is not only winning his his matchup consistently, and he almost had the sack that Raven Green got. Uh, he, he lost out by a half a step. He was there. Kenny Clark is a wrecker of offensive lines. He, not only does he win himself and get to the QB, he takes up two blockers on other plays and, and frees up lanes for other players to attack. So there, I mean, we're going to have every game, there's going to be two or three random guys who have sacks. Raven Green, Jermaine Whitehead, Blake Martinez has been getting sacks lately. Antonio Morrison. Because these double A-gap looks where the linebackers or whoever you want to put over the center are making offensive linemen have to make decisions. They were able to fluster Tom Brady. They were able to fluster the hell out of Jared Goff and Sean McVay. I think it's worth wondering if that fumble on the shotgun snap to Brock Osweiler had anything to do with the the blitz look that Blake Martinez had before the snap. The center knew he was going to have to fire that ball back to Brock Osweiler and get out and block somebody. That has effects on the game. And so the fact that this 
this pressure package has been the best in the league or one of the two or three best all season without quality edge rushers, I think should really be something that Packer fans are are starting to notice. And it doesn't seem like they are. It seems like a lot of fans are really focused and narrowed in on this idea that Clay Matthews and Nick Perry are not living up to their contracts, and they're not. But that's not the point. Because the pass rush is holding up its end. They are consistently getting pressure on teams. Some of the problems early in the year stemmed from issues on the back end. Well, those are getting sewn up. They're playing better. And I think that the kind of defense that you're seeing more often lately, and it's certainly Sunday is the perfect example. The Dolphins had just one drive where they went more than 50 yards. And it still ended in a field goal. The the Packers defense had to defend multiple short fields because of special teams turnovers. And they were still able to keep the Dolphins out of the end zone. It was a little bit of bend, don't break. And then other times when their blitz packages were getting home, they were creating advantageous situations for the defense. When you look at the four field goals that Green Bay forced, the first one, Raven Green nearly gets an interception on a great play. Dolphins have to settle for a field goal. The second field goal, Kyler Fackrell sack on third down. And the other two, Green Bay had had the Dolphins in third and long. It was third and nine in both situations. And the Dolphins got some yards, but not enough for a first down in both cases. That is big-time situational football. That is the kind of defense that this team can play, even banged up, even down players, even right until the end when they're having to makeshift secondary it, the Dolphins are not able to move the ball. This is a team that Brock Osweiler threw for 300-plus yards against the Bears defense. I know it was a lot of catch and run, but still, this Green Bay team played disciplined on Sunday for the most part. They tackled well. They rallied to the ball. There was the one Frank Gore run. That is the one big blemish on the team. Josh Jackson on a, on a really nice play. Danny Amendola beat Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson's in his hip pocket, misplays the ball. I mean, it looks like it should be an interception. I still don't know how Josh Jackson didn't catch it. This defense is capable of, of really good things, and we've seen that in, in spurts here. I think the Rams game defensively looks even better given what has been going on the last few weeks with them and, and the kind of points that they've been scoring all season. So, I mean, I think I think Packers fans should have some confidence in this defense, especially once it starts to get healthy, that they can really do the kinds of things in games that they need to. And if this Packers offense starts holding up its end of the bargain, as they did Sunday, then the thing that I've been saying all season, that the NFC is wide open and the Packers shouldn't fear anybody, that is going to be absolutely 100% true. All right, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to finish up with this. I got this question on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. Hello, Peter. What's happening? It's from Mike in Omaha. Do you think Rogers' struggles can be attributed in part to the loss of Alex Van Pelt? If so, how do you think that QB-QB coach relationships affect a QB's performance? Thanks. I I don't. And I don't because Rogers has had a number of different offensive coordinators, a number of different quarterbacks, coaches. And I think at this point in his career, I think he respected Alex Van Pelt. I really do. And I think he really likes Ben McAdoo. 
That doesn't mean that that those guys are good coaches. It doesn't mean that they're the reason Rodgers performed the way that he did. There has been reporting over the course of the season that there's some simmering tension with Rodgers and McCarthy. I've been saying, I mean, anyone that's been listening to this podcast for any length of time knows, I think that Rodgers has lost some faith in this offense. But I think Sunday can go not a long way necessarily, but some of the way in restoring some of that faith. And let me explain what I mean. I thought the play calling on Sunday offensively was very, very good. A lot of the big misses for this team were actually on Aaron Rodgers. He had Marquez Valdez-Scantling running wide open, not only underthrows him, underthrows it behind him. He has Devontae Adams on the post for a touchdown, overthrows it a little bit. Adams probably should have had it, but... Rodgers makes a better throw. It's an easy touchdown. And then just some simple miscues. The underthrow to EQ on the sideline and then just not being on the same page with Devontae Adams on a handful of throws. You wonder what the situation is there. But that was not a play-calling problem. What the Packers did do on Sunday is something Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have been calling for for weeks. Get Aaron Jones the ball. And not only did they get Aaron Jones the ball, they played a lot of two tight ends early in the game because they only had two receivers, really, that they they 100% trust. And they were able to find creative ways to get Lance Kendricks involved, Jimmy Graham involved, Mercedes Lewis involved. That three, that third and two call was brilliant for Mike McCarthy. And that changes the game. Because you're only up two, and you just had a punt blocked. You don't want to give the ball back to Miami. You don't want to have to deal with your special teams again. And they dial up this wonderful slip tight end play that turns into a big play, they end up scoring the touchdown. And they were off. Aaron Jones, as I said, gets his carries. Devontae Adams gets his touchdowns. There were a lot of aggressive plays. You go you, you go for it on fourth and two, even though they didn't get it. You get the fake punt. I mean, these are the things that can reinstill confidence in a coaching staff. You do the right things. You have a plan that makes sense. You execute that plan. And then you make adjustments. You look at this team in the second half. They were a different team. They looked better. You know, in the second quarter, Green Bay's offense sputtered a little bit. They get back on track in the third and really the fourth quarter. And, that I mean, that, you have eight possessions plus a kneel down. And you score on five of them. Guyo, four for four in the red zone. Didn't even have a third down in the red zone on Sunday. That can help instill confidence in your coach from a player's perspective. And when you look at this matchup with Seattle, a few weeks ago, Melvin Gordon goes for 160 yards, averages more than seven yards a carry on this Seattle defense. Just a few days ago, Todd Gurley goes for 120 yards on just 16 carries against Seattle. Their run defense was always the pillar on which everything else was built in Seattle. No matter what anyone says to you about the Legion of Boom, what made them so tough was they could play base personnel and they could stop the run and the pass with equal efficiency. They didn't have problems when they would put a nickel corner on the field and it was just K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner at linebacker. Or they wanted to bring in a rush guy. They wanted to bring in Bruce Irvin. They could still cover so much ground and stop the run. Even when Earl Thomas got hurt the last few years, they were still an elite run defense. They are not that right now. And if Aaron Rodgers goes out there and has to throw the ball 50 times on Thursday because Mike McCarthy refuses to let Aaron Jones do what Aaron Jones clearly can do, 
then that is going to be a step back when it comes to his confidence in this coaching staff. On the other hand, if Mike McCarthy says, listen, maybe we don't need to give you 20, 25 carries, but our goal every game is to get you 15 to 18 carries, at the very least 15 to 18 touches, and we're going to go from there. Jamal Williams gets some carries. We're going to force the ball to Devontae Adams. We're going to do some creative things. We're going to play with two tight ends. We're going to run the ball down your throat. We're going to play action off of it, and we're going to make Aaron Rodgers' life a lot easier. If he does that, it's gonna. It's not just going to make Rodgers' life easier, and it is, but it is also going to help him play with more confidence in the system and the people around him if he believes in the plan and he believes the execution is going to be there. They need, to, they need to, as McCarthy would say, stack some success here. So even if they don't win, this offense can't go back to being predictable. It can't go back to being stagnant. It can't go backward. They have to go forward, build on what they did against Miami, and win, lose, or draw, get better on offense on Thursday. All right, we're going to have crossover Wednesday tomorrow, and then hopefully Mina Kimes will join the show on Thursday from ESPN uh, to talk Packers, Seahawks as we look forward. We preview the game. We do everything that we need to do to get ready on a short week. It's a short week for us, too. So we're going to do everything we can to get ready for this game. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you think could be better about the show. Don't do that in a review. Or maybe write that on Facebook or a tweet or something. In fact, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Share an episode that you like. That would be great. Let other people know that you're enjoying the show because that's how we grow this community. That is how we grow the 10 here at Locked On Packers. And remember, anytime you want to hit us up at the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.